Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Praying Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prayingmedic.com. Now let's jump into this week's show. We would like to bring Praying Medic here to uh, share some of his intel on how to network and how to how to get people out of the matrix and still use the matrix and a lot more. We're going to talk Syria and what what are we going to talk about tonight? We're going to talk about everything, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, I have a lot on my mind and I have a lot of coffee, so this could be a long message. <laughs> I got my green tea. I'm broadcasting from Taiwan, and you're in Arizona? I am in Phoenix, yep. Perfect. So I'm trying to caffeinate myself, but I'll probably give you the mic for the majority of the show. But um, it's it's a great honor to have you back, sir. And and, um, what kind of stuff have you been into? Have you been having any prophetic dreams recently? Oh, yes. I've had quite a few prophetic dreams about President Trump. And the media war that's going on, he's involved with uh, the mainstream media. The you know the attacking him and uh, Holy Spirit has continued you know to show me that that is going to go on for a while. But I believe the president's going to win that war, and I believe the media, the mainstream media, is is kind of on its way out. I know that that sounds a bit strange. It might sound a bit just weird to hear someone say that. I really, I sincerely do believe mm-hmm. the mainstream media is losing its influence, losing its voice, and losing its sponsorship, losing the financials that, that are behind it. You, you can see it in the natural, and the Holy Spirit has been showing me that in dreams, that God is actually assisting in the takedown of the mainstream media. Wow. And he is raising up average people like you and me to be the replacement had a couple of dreams in the last week about some just average people and it has a lot to do with video and and this is what the holy spirit has been showing me week after week for months now is this increase in the use of portable video to report events news opinion politics spirituality whatever people are interested in that is going to increase exponentially. I mean, so right now, right now it's all experimental. Facebook is experimenting with live video, and they're trying to work the bugs out of it. And it's, it's coming along. And Twitter has jumped on, and they've got Periscope. Twitter is upping the ante on live video. So they came out with Periscope a year and a half, two years ago, whenever it was. And it's, it's been successful, although Twitter continues to lose money like crazy. Uh, Twitter stock has been in a free fall for ever since their their IPO. So um, Twitter's having a hard time maintaining advertisers. Their business model has just never been successful, and they're having a hard time making ad revenue. But they also know that live video is the future. That's why Periscope has become so big. That is why people are posting videos on Twitter. used to be just you know, 140 characters of text but then images, and then they got into video because 
there's this trend. If you just look at the trend line, you can see video is becoming huge. Zuckerberg, so you can do that right now with Twitter? I wasn't aware of that. Well, hang on. So this is what's happening. This is going to be a little bit of a long rabbit trail, so just hang with me. About the same time that Twitter and Zuckerberg on Facebook kind of figured out video is the future, they were, they were looking mm-hmm. at analytics. And when people when they allowed the, the, the test programs for people to do pre-recorded video, it was the most watched content on both platforms. Then they figured out, okay, we probably need to integrate live video. And as soon as mm-hmm. they started doing live video, that content started getting shared like crazy. Video is really popular. They both recognized it. So they're both moving their platforms in the direction of live video. This is what the Holy Spirit's been showing me in these dreams, is people are moving into a mindset, into a culture where they want to consume and watch and get their information and be entertained through live video. That's the future. That's where it's going. So that's been a little bit of a struggle for me because, you know, I'm a writer. <laughs> I, I, I write books. I don't even really want to do audiobooks, but I'm getting more, you know, of some requests for audiobooks. And I didn't want to do video. Really? Yeah. N- not a lot, but some. In the last six months, I, the number of people that have contacted me through email and private message asking me about mentoring and training specifically wanted to know if I was going to do online classes. And some people asking if I was going to ever going to do video-based classes. I thought, oh, man, here we go. Last year, I, I developed this platform. I bought a bunch of software, got a nice video camera and microphones and all set up to do uh, video classes. And then I kind of put it on the back burner. Cool. But, but because what I wanted to do I mean, do cool was, that you got it, not no, that no. it's on the back burner. Yeah, Sorry. It, was, it was a good investment. But I chickened out. Um, I was going to do it. I set up the website. I spent, I invested an enormous amount of time setting up these video online classes and then I chickened out. I just, I just bailed out and I thought, okay, I'm just going to put that on the back burner and I'm not going to worry about it. Around the first of the year, I I went back and I looked into my, my dreams, I grabbed my pile of dream cards and I went through them all and I realized, oh man, there's those dreams about doing the online video classes. So I hung out with this friend of mine. He is, um, he's very prophetic and he gave me some really good prophetic insights and encouragement that he said, man, he goes, you need to put that back on the front burner. You need to do those videos. You need to do the classes. This is what the Lord is telling you. Don't delay. Mm. Don't, don't be afraid. Just do wow. it because people, people want this stuff. And then I had these dreams, you know, February, March and into April where the Lord is showing me this development of more and more uh, video. And I had a dream a couple nights ago where this friend of mine who does a lot on Periscope was using a new type of a Periscope device that it had a topographical map built into it. And he was like with a, he was with a friend and he was going around where he lives following this map on this device and broadcasting live video from it. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And, and that's probably like a, a symbolic representation of something. But what I see the Lord doing is he is giving us a heads up that vi- the future is video. The future is live radio, live video. People, That's what people want. And I, as I've been doing the research over the last month, I'm, I've just been blown away at how much technology is out there, 
how much it's advanced, how the, um, the devices and the content delivery networks, the servers and everything are being put out there because the business world is, is anticipating where this is going. And they're setting up the hardware and the software for it. To show you how this has impacted me, I set up a new website. And it's, it's for news. And it's all video-based. And you can go on... Is that website available now? Yeah, it is. Freedom News Project. It's just freedomnewsproject.com. Cool. What, what it is, it's, it's a website sure. that I built in modules that hosts video-based news from a lot of different conservative news outlets. It's like if you go to the Drudge Report or if you follow Zero Hedge, these are news aggregators. They take news from all over different websites and they pull it all into one area, one, one website. That's what mm -hmm. Freedom News Project, that's what it does. I take news and commentary from a conservative perspective, bring it all together onto one site, and it's all video. You can just scroll down and see all the latest videos. And then each page that I feature um, that brings in news, I have a, a module on the front page and then a separate standalone page with all of their recent videos. Um, it took me about a week to put that all together. but Oh, my gosh. This is a really snazzy page. And yeah. this is exactly the idea that I had, although I just put it on a like little blog format, um, the Basham Report, which I cheesily named it. But I figured out that you can go to YouTube and you yep. can just post playlists that's of what the I latest do. video of any YouTube channel. That's what my website is. I have taken. Oh, that's what you do? Yeah, I took oh, cool. playlists and you just pull in the link to the playlist and it posts either. Beautiful. Yeah, it, it, uh, if you want to do it, it'll post the most recent video. And then what it'll do is when the person has gone through that first video, it'll show the next one in the playlist and the next one, the next one. And then I have, like I said, a separate standalone page for each. Like I have, uh, like Sean Hannity is on there and Tucker Carlson. So you can go to their page and then it displays a gallery of all their most recent videos. Yeah, that was, that was a week long project. Again, something that the Holy Spirit just kind of showed me that this is where it's going. It's going to video. So I've been trying to figure out ways. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, David. You've got Alex Jones in here. Don't yeah. tell me you listen to that conspiracy theory. <laughs> I, I don't, but some of my friends do. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, nice save. I've been listening to him for years. We're going to talk about him because um, he's kind of become the leader of the, the alternative oh my media. Gosh. You, and... know, you know you're living in a strange world when Alex Jones suddenly becomes the authority <laughs> on reality. <laughs> I know. <laughs> What's happening? You, my dad listens to Alex Jones, and my dad never, ever listened to him before. He hated him. And, I mean, he's a he's an accomplished concert violinist, a concert master, yeah. violin professor, and a classical musician. He doesn't listen to that weird stuff. He liked Rush Limbaugh. But yeah. here I am. I'm traveling the world, and I've seen a thing or two, and I know that most of the stuff Alex Jones said was true, but now he's got a better look, and... Gosh, you know, I'll, that's another bag of, of stuff, though. I want to get, I don't want to Another um, rabbit segue. trail. Yeah. Well, what I'm, what I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to develop my own live video platform, if you will. I set up a little system here in my office where I can use my phone, my laptop computer, and a webcam that's on a, on a tripod to broadcast live videos on YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope all at the same time. I did my first simulcast on all three a couple of days ago. It actually worked pretty well. In inevitably, one of them is not going to 
work the greatest. Uh, th- this last time I did it, YouTube was having some glitchy problems, but and Facebook and Periscope were fine. It's just weird for me because I have been very reluctant to do video. Back uh, years ago when my contemporaries, uh, people like Pete Cabrera and Tom Fisher and Todd White, all these guys are doing a lot of videos on YouTube. I was like, yeah. uh, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing video. And now they're they're all still doing video. And I'm just like, I went mm. right, to, right to live video. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, if I'm going to do video, I'm going to do live video. So I'm really interested in live Good. streaming. Most of the video that I'll end up doing will be live streaming probably. Although I'm doing pre-recorded videos for my classes that'll be coming out on my website pretty soon. So I've been insanely busy just doing a lot of stuff. You know, and then and then I'm trying to keep up with the news cycle, which is crazy. Denise and I are trying to she's we're trying to work on a couple of books, get them done. And I'm trying to record the videos for my classes and I'm having success with that. I've been getting one class one one lesson a day recorded and edited and uploaded. But the news cycle is unending. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, man, how do you keep up with all this stuff? Um, well, you really can't, and that's why we need people like Dredge, and we need freedomnewsproject.com, and we need um, people that – one thing I want to ask you is how do you keep track of your spiritual life while also uh, paying attention to so much news? Because obviously you've come through these different milestones of healing and traveling in the spirit, yep. and now you're using that – that platform to bring people into awareness of where the world is going, which a lot of these people, they want to be on cloud nine with Jesus all day. Yeah. They don't want to know about Syria. Yeah. You know? Right. Part of that is your, is your mindset, your worldview. There are a lot of believers who are under the impression that God doesn't give a rip about what's going on in the world in politics, that mm. God only cares about what's happening in your little church box on Sunday. And he only cares about you going out and planting churches in Zimbabwe. And he only cares about missions. And he only cares about evangelism. Mm. And he doesn't care about anything else. And that is a really limited view of God, I think. The funny thing is, for me, I had to take the red pill. And, you know, my wife has been very politically interested for years. And I've been absolutely really not interested in politics at all. Didn't really interest me much you know she'd have on uh conservative talk radio in the car and i'd be like do we have to listen to that can we listen to like coffee house radio or something <laughs> acoustic guitar coffee house radio <laughs> yeah yeah something relaxing i i had not been all that interested in politics and then i started having dreams about trump and i started having dreams about the intelligence community and the deep state <laughs> And what's going on, mm. you know, within the geopolitical world. And I'm like, no, you're dragging me into the world that my wife is really interested in. So ever since then, and it's been about, I don't know, a year and a half, my spirituality has been following the Holy Spirit in leading me wherever he wants to go. And he has taken me down the rabbit hole of politics. It's just, that's just what happens. So when someone says, you know, like, like you asked a very good question, how do you balance your spirituality and your, you know, relationship with God and with politics? Mm-hmm. To me, there is no mm-hmm. difference. To me, all I'm doing is like the Scots say, I'm following the, the wandering goose. The goose is going wherever he is going. I'm following the Holy Spirit. I don't know where he's leading me. And this month it's politics. And next month, I don't know what it's going to be. Hmm. I am following as hard as I can whatever he is putting in front of me on my radar. And right now, it's 
It's world politics. It is what's going on with the Trump administration and and the deep state. And, you know, um, Syria is a part of it. I, I did a Periscope last night about Syria because I saw a lot of people freaking out about it. And I don't think there's anything to freak out about. I think people can just take a big chill pill and relax. Trump is doing exactly what he told us he was going to do back in May and June and July. He's doing exactly what he said. Part part of this comes from only hearing part of the narrative or only understanding what you think you heard Trump say. People are pulling up on Twitter, for example, a lot of old tweets from Trump from 2013 where he was critical of Obama and Hillary for being having us in Syria. We shouldn't be in Syria. And, and throughout the the campaign, he said, you know, we shouldn't be in Syria. There's no reason for us to be in Afghanistan. And mm-hmm. we should just get out of the Middle East. We have no business being there. Okay, that's part of what he said. But the other part is, he said, especially of Obama, he said, if you're going to draw a red line in the sand... If you're going to give somebody an ultimatum, when they cross that red line, there has to be consequences. And you did not stick to what you said you were going to do. So, Yeah, well, let me just cut in here because (laughs) I've been following the whole conspiratorial side of that for a while. And it appears that that was a false flag. And this is where the big danger is because there's a lot of alternative people who have been following this for years and who know the whole story from years back. And it's like, yeah, well... Um, it looks like probably the rebels staged um, a false flag um, right, right. gassing. Right. And now we have a bunch of people that are bapping, backing Trump and they're ditching him because of that. And they're like, what did you just do? You know, you right. knew. A, a lot of people are jumping off the Trump train. Yeah. You know, I saw Paul Joseph Watson this morning on Twitter. He is yeah. as mad as a wet hen about <laughs> yeah. Trump going and launching missiles. Uh, and he basically said, I'm off the Trump train. Well, here's wow. the thing. This is where you have to really consider carefully all of the talking points, all of the sides, all the possibilities. I was reading the same reports that Paul Joseph Watson saw. I heard Stefan Molyneux and all these other guys talking about it. I know mm-hmm. about the false flag likelihood. It's possible that it was a false flag. I, I, I don't know that we can say absolutely, and here's why. Trump knows that people don't int- trust the intelligence community. Okay, He's aware of that. So he is putting out this morning the intelligence that we have that is the, the basis for their decision to launch the missiles. And they have intelligence and they have maps that they're putting out and tracking of gas transfer and the aircraft. They're showing us the evidence that they used to make the decision. This is where you can get into the weeds really quickly if you're not careful. Yes, I'm admitting, yes, it's possible it was a false flag. There are some things about this that don't add up. But whether it was a false flag or not, it illustrates a problem in Syria. And that is that Bashar al-Assad does not have his country under control. He either is allowing or permitting the rebels (laughs) to do this, and that's wrong, or he is gassing his own people, and that's wrong. And I was just, before we got on the show here, I was looking at some video of where the missiles actually hit on the airbase. And if you look at the runway, Mm -hmm. now this is... 
video that we don't know if it's reliable or not, but there aren't actually a whole lot of craters in the runway. But the buildings <laughs> where the gas was allegedly stored, those buildings are toast. They're gone. It looks like they were targeting buildings that were used for possibly either storing the air, uh, the gas and or refueling and maintenance of airplanes. From what I'm seeing, it looks like their targeting was specific. And look, here, here's the thing. Did we bomb a bunch of villages? Did we bomb hospitals? Did we kill hundreds or thousands of innocent women and children? No. Looking at all the information, the Defense Department has said that they gave Russian troops on the ground a heads up that there were incoming missiles. Okay? Russian troops bugged out. Russia has a missile defense system, but it looks like it wasn't activated. Now, ask yourself... So the Russians could have retaliated ask yourself, and why apparently was, we told them. Right. Why was there no retaliation? Why didn't their missile defense system take down our tomahawks? You have to sit here and start analyzing all these pieces. Well, let's put some more pieces of the puzzle together here. Xi Jinping is in town this weekend hanging out with President Trump at Mar-a-Lago. Right. That's what I was about to get to. It's all about putting pressure on China. That's and the that's the big picture of this. What is our what what is our biggest issue with China right now? The, arguably, our biggest issue with China is North Korea, and we've got uh, Kim Jong Un over there trying to build <laughs> nuclear weapons, trying to do missile missile launches, and he is a humongous pain in the butt to China, and we have the South China Sea buildup. So China is trying to be badass. They're building up in the South China Sea. They're trying to build a navy. They have built these artificial islands. They have airstrips. They have anti-aircraft artillery. China is trying to build up a military presence in the South China Sea, the most busiest shipping lanes in the world. I don't have to tell you. You know all about that. <laughs> now Xi Jinping comes to the States. He's hanging out. And during dinner... Trump is like, hey, excuse me, i got to go launch some Tomahawk missiles at Syria. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Comes back 20 minutes later. All right, oh. so, so where were we? Uh, is it yeah. time for dessert yet? So, that's, what I, that's what I heard about this this morning. So, was, so Xi like, Jinping what's going is sitting on? there going, it's, now, yeah. now the whole conversation with China about North Korea and about the military buildup in the South China Sea mm -hmm. is now takes on this context of holy crap, Trump just lobbed 50 tomahawks at a Syrian airbase over some sarin gas. Now, I'm not I'm not going to excuse like the ethics. There might be some Machiavellian tactics going on here. There's and a whole we lot. We should not look at Trump here, as man. some Christian guy. He's well, not. I mean, he's he's doing some real high-level stuff that here. Is, that is up to each person to decide. There's a lot of people who say Trump isn't a Christian. There's no fruit. He wasn't well, born again. I'm just saying he might play a little dirty sometimes, it's, but I believe I, I that think it's. I think it's. I think it's very dangerous to try to determine whether somebody else is a believer or not. I, I don't know. It's like saying, yeah. you know... You're not a real Cubs fan, because if you were a Cubs fan, a real Cubs fan, you'd have a jersey, and you'd have a hat, and you'd have a signed you know, baseball bat. You're not a real Cubs fan. To mm -hmm. me, trying to evaluate somebody's dedication to God is really slippery slope. It's kind of a pointless exercise. I believe Trump has some smart people advising him, people with a lot of experience. He's got Mattis. 
He's got some good generals. He's got good intelligence people. They've been down this road before. He's not working with rookies. And I think they gave him advice and said, look, this is a safe, reasonable response. It is going to send a message to a lot of people that need to get a message right now. It's going to send a message to Putin. Don't screw with us. Do not think we're going to go soft on you like Obama did. It's going to send a message to Assad. You better get your act together or you're, you're out. It sends a message to China. It sends a message to Iran. You know who it really sent a message to? Congress. Yesterday, uh, John McCain, Lindsey Graham, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer were four leaders in Congress who hated President Trump. And this morning, mm -hmm. they're all singing his praises. What is the media doing now? The media, the liberal mainstream media pundits are saying, well, you know, actually, he probably did the right thing. Given all the circumstances and what information we have, it's really hard to criticize what he did. He totally flipped the script on the media, on Congress. He's got Marco Rubio now praising him. All of these people who were really against him and trying to find some more evidence to not like him now are having to admit that he did the right thing, at least in their mm -hmm. mind. So I find it really interesting that with one move, and you know, the reports out of Syria are that there were less than six uh, fatalities come out of this airstrike of 50 Tomahawk cruise missiles. That is a very, very low number of casualties. I know that people are going to say that's an unacceptable. There's never any acceptable casualties. Look, it's a military situation. There are always going to be casualties. It's unfortunate. Uh, I will be praying for those people and the survivors. Hey, if, if, what if there were if there were some backhand deals going on and, and kids got gassed? Because those rebels, I mean, that was pretty good right. timing. Look, you know? Syria, is a, Syria is a mess. If the kids aren't getting gassed, they're getting starved. Or they're getting sold into sex slavery. It sucks to live in Syria right now. It's not a good situation for anyone who's living there. But I think what Trump is trying to do with this Syria thing is to bring it to an end and to try to get the peace talks going. Tillerson a week ago said that our position was there should be democratic elections. And if Assad gets elected and wants to stay, that's fine. Now... Tillerson has changed his view, and he's trying to put together, um, he's trying to recruit people basically to find a way to remove Assad from power. I, I suspect that Putin is probably as sick and fed up with Assad as Xi Jinping is fed up with Kim Jong-un. <laughs> You've got two large, powerful countries that have these puppet dictators that are driving them crazy. And... Is getting rid of Assad the, the, the right answer? I don't know. What I do know is this. I've had dozens of dreams where the Lord showed me that Trump is the man that he wants in the White House. And I am going to choose to support the president's decisions, to trust his staff. Whether I think what he did is right or wrong in the best interest of Syria, in the best interest of America... I don't know. I can't make that judgment. But I do know that I am not getting off the Trump train because of something like this. Even if it was a false flag, and even if this proves to be a, a miscalculation, I'm still not going to get off the Trump train. Um, I, think, I think Trump is the man for the job. And I think, by and large, if, if, if when he messes up one time, he'll have 10 brilliant, successful ad adventures for one uh, mistake.
Yeah, and I mean, if he turns on us, he's got free will. You know, he's not uh, Jesus. So, I mean, if he turns on us, then we can fight him like we fought the Clintons and the Bushes yeah. and the Obamas. And I, but I really, I really feel the same thing. I had so many dreams about Trump, and that's what brought you to my attention. Was you wrote that article about why are so many Christians having dreams about Trump? And these were heavy dreams. I mean, I was having, I was like going out on like Sunday afternoon with his family. He was um, driving the car, and we were just having a great old time. And I was like, why is he being so nice to me? I'm like just this little nobody. And I mean, they're this rich family with all this power. And then at the end of the, the trip, and I felt so much love and so much Holy Spirit, just peace, Holy Spirit peace. And at the end of the dream, he was like, so what do you think about us? I was like, well, you guys are really <laughs> nice. And he's like, could you pray for our family, please? Well, and I was like, sure. That's an <laughs> amazing dream. For them. I had dream. at least four or five dreams like that. And then I had dreams with, you know, with the enemy attacking them and stuff. And it was just, there were so, I've written them all down. I would like to, to just say that I can absolutely agree on that note. And that's why a lot of us feel confused right now. It's like, well, is it time to jump off the train? Right, well, right. probably not. <laughs> well, know, look at what the Lord did. Look, people like Alex Jones and Paul Joseph Watson are prone to saying things like, it has suddenly been exposed that Trump was actually just a neocon and a deep state plant, and he was gaslighting us all along, and he never really was, yeah. you know, for the people. I think. Oh, that, Alex Jones didn't say that. Alex Jones no, is no, still defending no, no. him. Yeah, yeah. People who are, if you want to call them alt-right, or people who are kind of on the fringe, people who are outside the mainstream, they are more mm. likely to say things like that. I'm not saying that any of them has said that. But you're, you're, don't be surprised if you hear people saying, right. we suddenly found out that Trump is a deep state plant, or we suddenly found out yeah. that Trump is not is actually a neocon. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if people change their views, change their perspective, and give a lot of reasons why they think that that's true. I, I don't think, that, look, Trump is 70 years old. <laughs> He's a successful <laughs> businessman. He has been saying the same things on every talk show for the last 30 years. He hasn't changed his mind or his views on anything. You can go back to the Oprah Winfrey shows back in the 90s, and he was saying exactly then what he's saying now. Mm. So Trump is not going to suddenly change the narrative. He's not going to suddenly change his views. He is doing exactly what he said he was going to do on the campaign. He said, look... We are going to lead the world, and we're going to have peace through strength. Peace through strength, if you know who coined that phrase, Ronald Reagan, had a big military, carried a big stick. Whenever some terrorist organization or some dictator got out of line, Reagan would whack them quickly, decisively, and without question. And they would know that they were not going to screw around with Reagan. He meant business. And that is what Trump is trying to do. Trump is trying to send a message to the world. Do not screw with me. (laughs) Because if you do, you're going to pay the price. That's peace through strength, having a strong military, strong resolve. And and I think long term, what that will do is that will prevent all these little border skirmishes. You know what it'll prevent? It'll prevent things like uh, Putin deciding that he can go and invade Crimea. Or mm-hmm. all of these little border wars that other people want to get involved in. If they think that Trump is going to retaliate because they're going to do something stupid, 
they're going to think twice about it. And that's what the peace through strength thing is all about. So I know it's got people a little bit confused. This this isn't going to get us into a war. Yes, there are destroyers. Russian destroyers are moving into the area where we've got our destroyers, and people are concerned. Oh, there's going to be a military buildup. It's going to be World War Three, and Revelation's going to come to pass. And No, that's not what's happening. That is not what's happening. So don't believe that. Ru- yes, Russian destroyers are moving into the area, but you've just had a military exchange. Russia has to protect its its interests. So it's going to have an increased presence there. And what we'll do is we will stand down. <laughs> we, will, we will move back, and we'll show signs of non-aggression, and then Russia will go back to status normal, and, and in a few days it'll all be over. Well, one thing's for sure. We need to pray for them because he's surrounded by the old guard of, you know, the pedophilic, really, really scumbag elite people that, you know, they're Satanists, just put it that way. We don't have to go into it, but yeah. they're Satanists surrounding Trump in the White House. And yep. it's not like he can just drain the swamp completely. Like, you step in there and there's still going to be a lot of, you know. Oh, absolutely. Of... It's going to take a long time. Did you see the uh, what Cernovich posted this morning, Mike Cernovich on, on Twitter? Cernovich has been talking about the D.C. pedophile problem. And he said he's about to break a big story on that. Cernovich is sitting on a lot of information about the DC pedophiles. Cernovich has kind of gotten a reputation for being the guy who is ballsy enough to go out there and break these hard stories that nobody else Mm -hmm. wants to touch. So the people who have the information are now talking to Cernovich. He's getting a lot of information other people don't have. sounds like he's going to be breaking a story pretty soon on some big time pedophile thing. Oh, Susan is saying, hey, ask him about Tacoma. <laughs> I, I think what she's getting at is we're we're doing a thing called a gathering in Tacoma, Washington this summer. It oh, is, cool. It, it's, a, it's a conference, and it is primarily about traveling in the spirit, actually. So Mike Parsons is going to be there teaching. And I'm oh, no be, way. Yes, yes. Mike Parsons is going to be there. We've got Michael Danforth, who is a local uh, pr- prophet, and then I'm going to be there. Oh, I love Michael Danforth. Yeah, so it's going to be Mike Parsons, Mike Danforth, and me. And about, well, several hundred of our closest friends. And it is going to be a five-day conference at the Tacoma Convention Center. It's the last week of July. The format, uh, we're calling it The Gathering because we did this once before. It was me and Steve Harmon. We got together for a couple of days, rented out a conference room at a hotel, and just did some teaching on traveling in the spirit, seeing in the spirit, stuff like that. Did some ministry, got a bunch of people healed of emotional trauma, and sat around, talked a lot, hung out. Some of us went out to dinner and breakfast, and it was uh, it was a great time. We're doing a second uh, edition of that, a little bit bigger, and that is mm-hmm. going to be the last week of July. I'm really looking forward to it. So well, I'm going to be traveling in the spirit to that conference. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's that's, that's cool. I think you should, everybody should go there. You that's should awesome. uh, you should definitely do that. Um, I would love to see people travel in the spirit and bilocate over there. <laughs> I'm not um, joking. Yesterday morning, my alarm clock did not go off, and I woke up precisely like almost before the alarm usually goes off with a dream of Ian Clayton standing in my room doing interviews with people and I was kind of stressed out about the fact that he was in my room and that he was seeing how messy it was and that he was interviewing people or doing something somebody was interviewing him (laughs) 
and I realized my alarm had broken. My cell phone battery had died. Forgot to plug it in. And I was like, thank you, sir. <laughs> you saved my life. And I, I wonder, you know, I mean, if there's anybody that can travel in the spirit, I know a lot of people that have seen him in the spirit. It would be him. I mean, maybe we people like us who've been listening to them and this kind of stuff and doing this kind of teaching, we should be able to travel in the spirit. You know, if you can't make it to Tacoma, to the, um, what's it called again? The name of the conference? The, the Gathering. If you can't make it to the Gathering, then send your spirit there and add some spirit. I, I fully expect to see people there who didn't pay admission. Um, I think we're going to, I think we're going to have some people show up there who are traveling in the spirit, either translocation or translating. I'm already getting a lot of testimonies of people and I've, I'm having these stories where people, you know, like the most common is I'll be praying for someone. I'll get an an email or a private message on Facebook and someone will send me a prayer request and I'll pray for them. And then they'll send me a message back saying, Hey, um, I had the weirdest feeling that you were standing right behind me and you put your hand on my shoulder while you were praying. I could like feel somebody in the room with me. And wow. I'm getting a lot more of those testimonies of people sensing my presence. I'm showing up in people's dreams, giving them prophetic words or praying for them. I think a lot of us are already doing the, you know, some traveling in the spirit, just aren't aware of it. Well, a lot of people writing me and saying the same thing. They're just like, yeah, you know, brother, we went on this journey together. And I have a friend named Tony who's just got zero fear, especially when it comes to sharing this kind of stuff, which I don't usually share. I wait like weeks or months or years. And then it's like, okay, maybe I'll share this. He just writes it all out there. And he's like, yeah, brother, we went on a journey the other night in the spirit. and We went and fought Satan's kingdom in the so-and-so place. And I'm like, great, brother. You know, if anything is useful of whatever God's given me, it's open source. Just take it. <laughs> Let's do stuff. But I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I seldom do I remember or have an awareness of the traveling experience when it happens. But when people come to me, they're like, oh, no, no, it was definitely you. You were here. I'm not m- making any mistake. I'm not making it up. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I love what God's doing right now. It's so exciting. How do you think that works? Like if you have or if somebody else has a dream of you doing something holy, not something necessarily very negative. I've had people come to me. I got in China when I was a missionary in China near the Russian border. A girl who was the head of the Communist Party for her university uh, came to our Bible study and she wasn't saved yet. And that day we got her saved. And then she confided in us and she was like, I had a dream last night that Michael tried to kill me with an axe. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm like this happy-go-lucky, you know, and it just made me think like, well, I guess the devil can definitely uh, copy you and put you into dreams and then make you evil. But when people have dreams where you're not doing horrible things, like, could that really be your spirit? Like, could God actually be sending you there, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've had some evidence of that. I have a friend who lives down here. I don't know, about seven or eight miles from where I live. And we get together once in a while. And he sends me a text message one morning. He goes, hey, man. He goes, I had this dream. Uh, you showed up in the dream. And you were talking to me about my injured shoulder. And <laughs> you put your hand on my shoulder and you prayed for me. And he goes, I felt this, like, electricity going through my body. And then I felt like I was healed and I woke up. I said, um, so do you have an injured shoulder? He goes, yeah, I did. I injured it at the gym working out. He said it's, it felt like it was a partial separation of the shoulder. It was The joint was loose, 
And he says, but the, here's the cool thing. I went to the gym this morning and I was able to work out and lift weights and it was tight and it felt normal. He didn't have any problems. So evidently I traveled there and healed him in the dream. Uh, wow. You know, I, I do hear those testimonies. And I, the only way I can explain that is that my spirit must be going when I'm sleeping. My spirit is just traveling over there, praying for him in the spirit, getting him healed and then coming back. That, hmm. that particular night, I did have a dream where sure. I was going around and I was visiting people. Uh, really? Yeah. I did not remember actually visiting him, but I did remember visiting various people in this dream that I had. And then he wakes up in the morning and goes, hey, man, you came and visited me and <laughs> prayed for me. And I was like, okay. Whoa. Um, so there is something to it. And I think our spirit does travel when we dream. I think a lot of what we perceive to be just our imagination making things up in dreams a lot of that is probably us actually going places and doing things in the, in the spirit world. You remind me of, um, I don't know if this is a revelation or just my imagination, but I was thinking about how uh, Ian always talks about like trading on the sea of glass. And well, everybody talks about that now. It's like Mike Parsons and everybody says, it. and in a way we're all trading on the sea of the glass of our cell phones all day. And it's a normal thing for us to be texting and sharing and posting and liking and subscribing and post whatever. But what if we're meant to be doing the same thing in the spirit? Like it's not such a, just a weird occurrence that, Oh, somebody teleported. You know, the only reason that it only says that in the Bible like a couple times is because freaking like they could only transcribe it so many times. And they only had so many chapters in the book of acts. Like the book of acts should have never ended. I think, I think people should still be, teleporting and you know getting visions of scrolls opening in the sky with all these weird animals in them and god saying like don't call what i've called clean unclean and just random stuff man i mean just the bible's so full of weird stuff and then we stopped after 66 books and we should still be trading on that sea of glass of the spirit the internet of the spirit and the network and that's where i think we time travel and we teleport and i mean you've written the you basically shared the entire volume on that. Um, but I don't know. What What do you think? Like, is this going to become a more and more normal thing, in your opinion? I think it is. There's a couple of aspects to it. I think some people are involuntarily traveling already. Quite a few of us, probably. Okay. Our spirit, okay, so our spirit doesn't sleep, right? Yeah. Physical body goes to sleep. Your spirit is like, I'm really bored. I want something to do. <laughs> <laughs> got eight hours yeah. to kill until you wake up. So our spirit is out having adventures, you know, when yeah. we're when we're asleep. And a lot of people are really not tuned in. They're not aware of what their spirit is doing while their mind is asleep. I, I honestly think this whole issue of traveling in the spirit is much more an issue of being aware of what your spirit is already doing. More so than deciding, well, I'm just going to go and travel someplace. Well, I mean, you can yes. do you can do that, but it's not a bad idea to figure out what your spirit is already doing <laughs> while you're asleep or while you're yes. zoned out, you know, watching a TV. Because people get these little hints, little suggestions, little sub subliminal suggestions that they have this glimpse in their mind, like, oh, I just saw this flash in my mind of my neighbor. And what they're doing in their kitchen. And why did I even think about that? Well, maybe because your spirit went over there into their house and looked at them in the kitchen and was kind of checking out what's going on over there. Mm. 
Yes. I think a lot of people are traveling already and they blow off those experiences because they're they're just like, oh, that was just my imagination playing tricks mm-hmm. with me. I didn't actually mm-hmm. really go down the street and yank that kid away from that car just before he got ran over. That was just my imagination making that up. People have these experiences, and the more we talk about them, the light bulbs start to go on, and people think, wait a minute, I, I know that kind of thing does happen sometimes. So I think mm-hmm. part of it is becoming aware of what our spirit is already doing, Mm-hmm. And, and the other part is then becoming intentional about it. So once you're aware that you have a spirit that is active in the spirit world and can do things independently, then comes the question of what do you want to do intentionally now? Now that you know, now that you've taken the red pill and you know about the matrix, <laughs> what are you going to do intentionally? That's where we need to engage the spiritual realm. We need to engage the angels. We need to engage the realm of heaven and go there and get our scrolls and our mandates and start to work on those things. A lot of people, when they hear you talk about this, they say, imagination, ooh, you know, we're not allowed to do anything with that. It has to be written in the Bible or it's nothing. <laughs> and I talked to a guy this afternoon. One of the reasons I'm so dingy right now is my, I usually take a nap during the afternoon. I teach at a, a government school in Taiwan to make a living. And this guy um, calls me from a university in Texas. He's 22 years old. He does deliverances online. He sent me a video of one of his deliverances. It's definitely legit. It's it's crazy and just a very interesting fellow. And I kind of picked his brain a little bit about how he does it. And this guy, this new millennial deliverance minister on the internet, uses his imagination he uses like i command holy spirit fire you know whatever like living water and just you know oceans full of the river of life to just fill you demon and i command fire hotter than the hottest pit of hell a million times right now in jesus name and he just does like i pull out my lightsaber of the spirit and it works i mean i saw on video this guy got delivered some youngster that this guy had met on some chat room (laughs) you know and I was like, dude, you get on here. We need you. How can we how can we work together? Could you start a YouTube channel? Could you could you get a blog going so so that I can add you? Like, dude, you need we need you, man. Like and and you can tell he I tried to do a show with him right away. He was like, Oh, whoa, whoa, you know, I'm not ready for that. You know, I realized like, okay, maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but we need to find those young people and, and people who are kind of free in their imagination. Like they're not afraid to tell people stories about where they I, – I met another guy. They bilocated and part of them went to one place and the other part went to another place. And apparently it was caught on camera. This stuff is going to become more and more real and it sounds like a Marvel action comic. But the thing is the only people that are afraid are the old people. And I don't just mean like in years but – the people that live in the old church system, you know, they live in this dichotomy where it has to fit those 66 books of the Bible. And if it wasn't written there exactly, well, actually it was because there were time travelers and teleporters. But unless it fits their weird little perverted version of Christianity, then it's not true. You can't put I'm, new wine in an old wineskin. And that's yeah. you know, that's what we're talking about. People who have a kind of a traditional mindset of what's possible, what's biblical, what's legal, what's demonic. You're you're not going to make much headway with those people. But, you know, like you said, people who are young or people who are young at heart 
and people who are full of faith mm. and people yeah. who are don't have doubt, skepticism, and all kinds of legal crap in their lives. Those people are, are, are great. That's why I like hanging out with Steve Harmon. Steve is one of those guys who he's like that young guy that you were talking about. Steve will do anything. He'll try anything. And he has seen some wow. really amazing results speaking things into existence in the spirit world. Um, hmm. Just just like you said, speaking into existence, fire to torture demons and stuff like that. <laughs> when he's doing deliverance. <laughs> and, and it works. It's real. I, I love those people who are doing that kind of stuff. Um, that's cutting edge. That's where we should all be going. How is how is Steve doing right now? Is he still kind of in the kind of under the radar or Steve is doing good. He is on a long term project. You know, he was doing ministry to people with DID and schizophrenia and some pretty severe mental illness. And then he got basically got into this long protracted deliverance and inner healing with one of his clients. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. been working with her for years. And Wow. It's going good. They've made a lot of progress. It's been a very long, difficult road. Steve is learning a lot, and the gal he's doing ministry to is getting a lot of freedom. It's going to be a great testimony when they're done. Yeah, I mean, he's he's doing good. We check in with each other every once in a while. I had a long conversation with him a couple weeks ago, and, and he's uh, kept me up to speed on what he's been doing. It's been pretty amazing. Cool. Well, if you ever talk to him... Um... We should do a show with him at any time. If you if you're busy, just let me know. I'll I'll schedule a time. People like that is that's the real deal, you know. It's the people on the street, the people that are not looking for attention. Not that it's it's. I look at it like this: you you should have a book, you should have a website, you should have a channel. You've got to get out there and get them. It's about the message, you know. At this point, I don't think it's about any of us starting our own. Um, kingdom anymore because we're we're just obsessed with Jesus and his kingdom but anything it's not that anything goes but at all costs win the war you know get the message out look at how crazy Alex Jones looked 20 years ago first time I heard Alex Jones was about 15 years ago yeah uh, 2004 and this guy helps get the president in but it took a lot of time and it took you know this guy works really hard he does three hours a day Every week, you know, five times a week, it's like putting in the hours and putting in the work and, and kind of being a little bit crazy about Jesus. Like you got to just be like like a freak about sharing the gospel and working with different Christians. And, you know, we speak English and we're working in the Western world. We, we meet a lot of Christians that are already pretty advanced. Like we're not at square one where you have to train people from ground zero to uh, learn about spiritual warfare. There's tons of people that know about spiritual warfare. Problem is they don't know where they can serve. You know, they're kind of out there twiddling their thumbs or they're they're in some atheist university and they don't feel like there's a church nearby where they can work with. But I feel like we're recruiting people. I don't know how you feel, but like you're definitely recruiting like you're definitely networking with people and how can we get people into the, you know, into the war, into the game? Yeah, I think part of the strategy really comes when you start thinking outside the box of normal Christianity. Yes. I run into a lot of people who are very frustrated because they don't feel like they can serve in their local church. You know, mm -hmm. they're going to a Baptist church or they're going to a Methodist church and, and they're just not into the supernatural. And these people are like studying away from church and they're listening to podcasts and they're watching YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these mm -hmm. people know way more about spirituality and deliverance and healing and, than their pastor does. <laughs> so I get these messages. 
I get these messages from people like, how do I red pill my pastor and get him to like, let, <laughs> let me teach this in the church? I'm like, well, good luck with that. Um, I had this one gal this week, for example, she sent me an email and she said, I, I really have this passion for uh, teaching people about healing and the supernatural and prophecy, but I'm in this church. It's really kind of old school. How do I, how do I start to bring up this conversation? How do I get people who are absolutely not interested at all without, you know, alienating everybody in the church? And I said, okay, well, here's some ideas. If you have a couple of friends, do some friendship evangelism. So as Steve Harmon says, reaching Christians for Jesus, get a couple of people and do some simple, not too freaky demonstrations of power. So get a few people healed. Maybe after, after church, sometimes say, hey, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge, or I see that you have a cane, crutches, or a wheelchair, you know, pray for somebody. Get a few people healed. No big deal. Just simple little thing. And then I told her, I said, if you can get a couple people healed, that's a demonstration to the church, to the body, that healing is real. And now you have a microphone where people are going to want to ask you questions. Well, how did you do that? Never seen that before. Or I've heard about Uh, that. And is there any way you can teach us that? I think for people who are kind of stuck in the same old, same old, if you're going to introduce mm -hmm. something new, you have to do it in a non-threatening way. You don't want the pastor looking at you thinking that you're going to take over the church and start teaching Mm. all kinds of weird stuff. You have to get buy-in from the leadership. And one way to do that is to present your perspective, your experiences in a non-threatening way. It does not appear to be a threat to the power structure of the church because churches are kind of like Congress. They don't want anything upsetting the apple cart when it comes to who's in power and who's in control. If you're going to bring in something new, it has to be Mm -hmm. non-threatening. It's probably best to actually include the leadership and get Mm -hmm. their input and solicit their support if you can do that, you can kind of bring in uh, some outside ideas, some some fresh ideas, some new ideas, and at some point, people are either going to they're going to get it and they're going to like it, or they're going to reject it. And if they get it and they accept it, and they have a lot of questions and they have a lot of interest, then you start moving forward. But for a lot of people, it's going to end up that you'll do it outside of the the Sunday church meetings. And I haven't gone to regular Sunday church in, gosh, probably six or seven years. Partly because I was working, I was I was working weekends on the ambulance for years, and I just didn't have an opportunity to do that. But the other part is God basically yanked me out of the church and said, "Look, I don't want you going into that building. That's not where I want to use you. I want to use you on social media. So hang out with your friends on Facebook." And do do some teaching and so, <laughs> write some books and answer some questions and do some email and do some Skype and have fun with it. David Joseph, bring medic exposed. Yeah, well, I don't you know, go to church every Sunday. I, I, I'd I rather go on my Facebook. Heck yeah, I, I get messages from people all the time saying, "Hey, you know, I don't have I don't have anybody in my church who's interested in the supernatural. I want to learn. I want to grow. What do I do?" I usually point them to the Facebook group. Inside Out Training and Equipping. It is a group that Cheryl uh, Fritz puts on. There's about 11,000 people in the group. They do nightly. They used to do Skype, group Skype calls. Now I think they're using Zoom. They do training and equipping and mentoring. 
in everything from prophecy to healing to traveling in the spirit to Holy Spirit fireballs. They, they do everything. And no matter where you are in the world, no matter how isolated you are, if you have an internet connection, you can join this group. You can get in with these people. You can get on some of their calls. You can do some training with them and do some exercises and uh, learn how to do this stuff. I, I just tell people, look, you have to think outside the box. The same old going to church every Sunday and may not be the best place for you. It's it, it's not the best place for me. I've found that people who are really supernatural tend to do their supernatural stuff outside of the Sunday church. Yeah, me too. And and I have a five-year-old daughter that I'm bringing to Sunday school. And um, I go there every once in a while and I'll talk to the pastor and the people there and I, I'll pray for the guy that's, you know, had a stroke recently in the back and they're like, well, who's this guy? And I don't walk into church anymore like, I need to get fed. I need to meet God and feel spiritual. I also don't go to churches like, I'm the pastor. I'm the guest speaker. I'm going to teach everybody. I just kind of go in there to check out what's going on and, and maybe God's going to do something. And, you know, my daughter gets to go to the really cute Sunday school in Chinese, by the way. Everybody speaks Chinese with my limited <laughs> Chinese. I'm sitting yeah. there in the Bible study and everybody's like, who's this white guy? <laughs> you know, where did he come from? And I have to say, like here in Taiwan, in their further credit, they do focus a lot on mission work, on international mission work. And we just had a prayer meeting for like 80 missionaries around the world. And I was like, wow, these guys mean business. But you just get the feeling of like this sanitary sort of system that's just running, you know, like you've got the worship service here, you've got the Sunday school there, you've got the prayer meeting here, and it's just functioning. And it's it's so well functioning, like a facility, like a very clean bathroom, which is an important thing to have. I mean, I, I'm glad that we have bathrooms, but, you know, it's not life. Like, it's not the place where God can just meet you face to face like Abraham and begin to lead you into your whole journey. You know, it just feels like something besides our relationship with God. And I don't think that's a good thing. And, and I just, I get sick when I go to church. I'll just be honest. I actually get like, <laughs> sometimes I just get angry. I can't go there very often. Yeah. It, it depends on which church I'm going to for me. Some churches yeah. that I go to, I can really feel God's presence there. I, I can feel the glory. I can feel the love. And we, we found a local church here actually where, where we live. It's about two miles from our house. I've, mm. I've taught there twice now, and I really like the leadership team. Great people. They're open-hearted, very humble. They're not, they don't have big heads. Actually, the pastor, is, uh, he, he has a concrete business, so he's not relying on tithes and offerings to make this thing go. He's got a job. He's got a business. That's where his, he makes his money, and on the weekends, he pastors his church, he and his wife. And really super nice, humble people, and they they're all about God's presence and seeking, you know. So, and they mm -hmm. love signs and wonders and miracles. And it's been kind of cool for me to find that group of people. I know I can go in there, and we I can talk on whatever I want to talk on, and you know, teach on whatever I want to teach on. If you have access to a place like that, it's it is a huge blessing. If you don't, church can be not such a great thing. <laughs> but it it comes down to. A, a simple question of is your relationship with God based on or an extension of the building that you go to on a Saturday or Sunday, mm -hmm. or is that just a small manifestation of it? For some people, their 
entire spiritual existence is only going to church on Sunday morning and that's it. Obviously, life with God is way more bigger than that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, I'll go outside and, and like you said, you know, uh, you're finding a lot of fruit with the Facebook um, video, uh, live video. And I found that, you know, rather than just go sit in the church service, which I felt kind of awkward, honestly, like a couple of <laughs> times I was like, oh, man, I don't belong here. Like I, I would. And then I went outside and I turned on my phone and I'm like, OK, my daughter's in Sunday school. I can just turn on my live video right now. And there were so many people there fellowshipping with me and they were making jokes. And I'm like, here, hey guys, I'm outside of a church here. What should I do? And one of my brothers is like, go up there and ring the bell tower. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I don't know if I should do that. But it was so fun. And we prayed and we spent, you know, I read the Bible and shared stuff. And it just feels like it's more fruitful, you know? And I don't know. I just, I wonder what we can do about that. You're a writer, like you said, as far as live video goes. What are we going to do about editing? Because it's almost like it's going to turn into this pure spontaneity thing. Yep. And yep. Um, yeah. that's a big question I've had because, like, you go on live video for more than eight minutes and people are like, okay, what's going on? You know, you do you have any ideas about that? Like, I, I do, uh, yeah. yeah. I have a lot of ideas, actually. I, I'm watching this guy now. He's We've become friends on Twitter. And he periscopes twice a week. He's got a schedule. Most people who are on Periscope don't have a schedule. But this guy, his name is uh, Adam Gingrich, and he goes by John Wick of Politics on Twitter and uh, Periscope. He's a government insider, is what I would call him. He's worked Mm. in state government in Pennsylvania. He's also worked on three presidential campaigns, and he knows a lot about politics. He has a lot of... Uh, he's connected to a lot of people that are inside Congress, and there he knows people in the intelligence community. So he's got access to people with information. He has actually written legislation for the Pennsylvania legislature. So he has experience and knowledge of the system of government, and he can answer questions that most people don't understand. Since the, the hassle that President Trump has come into with the media and Congress and all his problems, people are are always kind of wondering, like, what is going on with Congress? What's going on? With the, you know, what is this Senate Intelligence Committee investigation? <laughs> what about the Supreme Court thing? And we're hearing this and we're hearing that. And what's the truth? So Adam gets on twice a week and he does his periscopes at night. And they go anywhere from two to five hours of live video. Whoa. This, this guy is uh, strong. <laughs> the video force is strong with this guy. He's able to, he usually does about an hour to an hour and a half of pretty serious explain, explaining what's going on in a news cycle, what's going on in the White House, what's going on in Congress, what's going on in the Supreme Court, you know, what's going on internationally. He'll give people the, the scoop. He, he is always on the phone and texting and his sources and getting information and confirming stuff. And then he does some question and answer, and then he just does, you know, hey, let's talk about my favorite movies or some music or whatever. He has been able to build this platform and provide people really good insights and information and make it entertaining. And it's all spontaneous, nothing scripted. He doesn't even bring notes. When I go on Periscope or Facebook Live, I usually have a script. I've got notes of points that I want to hit, names, facts, websites, things of that nature, so that I have all my information straight. Adam does this stuff cold, no notes. He just gets on there and lets it rip for three or four or five hours. 
that is that is the kind of thing that's possible. Now, I prefer to do <laughs> I prefer to do a message that's edited. Like when I do a podcast interview with you or somebody else, it'll mm-hmm. be a two or three hour interview and I'll edit out a lot of stuff and it'll I'll okay. condense it down to like an hour and a half or so. Just because I want a really clean, professional sounding podcast without a lot of mess ups in it. But people are finding out that live video is kind of cool. Like people are mm-hmm. willing to make the trade off of clean wow. and polished for raw and real. Here's here's the thing. So when you watch a, a a TV news show, what are you watching when you watch a TV news show? You are watching a an actor read off a teleprompter, mm-hmm. reading a script and it's polished and the hair and the nails and the suit and the background and the graphics and everything's all clean, polished, cut, nice, pa- packaged, right? Well, that's what we've been used to for the last 40, 50 years. But yeah, I think people are starting to grow a little bit weary of that. They're seeing through it. Some people are like, look, this is just a plastic Hollywood set. Most of the news anchors nowadays are Miss America pageant runner-ups and the content know, right? and the content of the news itself is is really thin and not very accurate not very good it's so i think if there are people like my buddy Adam and me and some other folks who are trying to put out this is me in my home this is my kitchen this is my living room this is my office and uh, I'm just going to share with you guys what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm kind of taking in from all of the news cycle. Uh, this one guy, I know he's a, his name is Rob Music. He is a pianist, but he's also a computer systems expert, and he knows a lot about viruses and networks and uh, the intelligence community. There's all these people out there who are on Periscope, and they have all this really good information. And they're giving it away for free. All you have to do is just tune in on their Periscope and and listen to what's going down. There there are some pretty hokey people out there who should probably not be on Periscope or Facebook Live. But there are a lot of people who should be. And what what I see the Lord doing is giving people the ability to turn on their phone and be real and inspire and encourage and teach and train and give people a heads up and educate them through live video and you know it's nice that you have the chat feature in there so people can ask questions and you can answer on the video hey you know you got a good question here let me give you an answer to that yeah like we're getting messages right now i mean exactly like, like this this is this is exactly <laughs> this is exactly what it's like on yeah. facebook when i'm on youtube when i'm on periscope i have a chat people are asking questions yes there are trolls especially on periscope but I just ignore them. And here's the other thing. This is the second time I've talked to you, but what if, um, you know, if I got more comfortable, I'd, I might just start randomly asking you questions about, like, what's your favorite, you know, way to eat bagels? And nobody would be expecting that, including you. A- absolutely. So nobody would be, it would be so spontaneous, you know, just... <laughs> no, that's the being thing that spontaneous kind of is good. On edge. When, I'm, when I interview somebody, I have a, a list of questions that I want to ask them. But there's always spontaneous questions that just pop into mm. my mind. The scripted questions keep the flow of the show going. And the spontaneous mm-hmm. questions entertain and amuse people. So it's, it's always good. Did you know that if you don't doodle during class, 
your brain is less likely to retain the information. But if you sit in class and you're focused, but then you spend a few minutes doodling, drawing pictures, your brain will kind of go to another dimension. And then when it comes back, it'll be more fully recharged and able to um, focus better on the lecture or the lesson. Hmm. Like, and so that's why I always tell my students, like, please draw pictures while I'm teaching you today, <laughs> because there's no way I'm going to be able that's to be that informative for the next two hours yeah. or whatever. Well, did I get you? you know, no. just, where are we going? Um, I have no, notes. no, 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 you know, no, I'm actually, I'm actually put your notes down. You brought okay. up an interesting subject, which is doodling. Are you familiar at all with Arthur Burke's teaching on activating the human spirit? Only, only in name. Okay. So Arthur Burke has, he has made the observation that there are different activities that seem to activate the human spirit. And these activities, Mm. when we do them, it increases our awareness and our function for our spirit. A classic example is girls who twirl their hair. And he said that they're, they, he's actually interviewed people and he believes that the reason why some girls twirl their hair is it's actually a thing that they're doing to activate their spirit to be more engaged in the conversation or what's going on. He said for some people it's water. When they feel water on their body, it activates their spirit. So they like to soak in a tub or shower or uh, a hot tub or they like to be around running water because it activates their spirit. And I suspect that doodling may be one of those things that activates the human spirit. The reason is, when you doodle, you're engaging your imagination, and your mind perceives the spiritual world through your imagination. So if you're doodling, you're activating your imagination, you're opening the doorway, and your spirit can then communicate more easily to your natural mind. Wow, that is heavy. I know. Wow. Wow. Oh, sorry, so, I'm on yes, mute. You can hear Liz, the audience can't. Liz, uh, barefoot, being barefoot is another way. Some people are really, really comfortable walking around barefoot. Liz, I'm one of mm. those people. I rarely ever do I wear shoes. In fact, um, I was teaching at the School of Supernatural Ministry here a couple weeks ago, and one night I just decided I'm not wearing my sandals. I'm going to teach barefoot. So I kicked my sandal because the worship leader was barefoot. And I'm like, she can worship Barefoot, I'm kicking my shoes off, so I taught barefoot that night. For some people, being barefoot activates their spirit. They're grounded, and they're connected, and it activates your spirit. So I walk around my house all day long, and I usually just have socks on or I'm barefoot. I really don't like putting shoes on. But that's just how some people are. Their spirit is activated, and and they're just able to feel more at home and comfortable doing certain things. Some people... um especially in the new millennial generation, they might like to play like puzzle games. Like my brother just released this game, Super Plexus, which if anybody wants to support that, you can download it. Uh, they worked on it for like two years. But they play these puzzle games and they, they make them now too. And while you're playing like a game of Tetris, for example, and listening to a Mike Parsons supernatural mentoring <laughs> session or something. Right. Not that I ever did that. <laughs> Not that I ever did that. I like to go jogging and bring like a notepad with me and just if God shows me anything or the music I'm listening to inspires me, I'll sit down and I'll jot out some words of what I feel like God is speaking to me. I feel like that to me 
even more than doodling stuff. Like I'm not that good at drawing. I like to draw like stick figures and stuff for, for my kids a lot. But, but I noticed that when I get a vision and I don't care about the grammar, I don't care about the, the spelling. It's kind of like that, that, um, that just write group says like, just write, just keep writing. Don't think about that. Just edit later, but just write. Yep. And I've noticed when I do that, that the visions that I get, ex- especially if they're things that are connected to the word of God, because I use the word as the gate to go there and then ask God to show me stuff kind of sort of Ian Clayton style. Like you just, whatever he shows you, just write it down as soon as you see it. And don't, um, don't edit, just write it down. Right. I mean, you might be writing down something that's holy. That's the, right. that's the scary part is like, if God is showing you something and you write it down, doesn't that make it kind of supernatural? And when you read it later, Oh my gosh, the vividness of it, like what he's showing you in your spirit even if it's just doodling in your imagination or whatever, but he can literally be showing you the future. And, and then one day I decided to write a novel. I don't even want to call it that. I, I call it like heavenly fan fiction because I just took CS Lewis's book and I started like playing with it and kind of trolling it, messing with his, his idea of Mars and Malachandria and stuff. And that very year, I would say about maybe 10 or 15 details in that novel came true in my life and I got scared of it. I stopped writing it because I was like, this is not right. Like I'm writing a novel and this thing should not be <laughs> somehow messing with my future destiny. Like that's why I met my wife and the people that I'm now working with. And I could just talk for hours, which I won't do. But I think that when you activate the creative process, you're literally giving God a chance to stick his finger in there and be like, what about this? You know, Anyway. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I absolutely uh, think that's true. It seems like we all engage God, engage the supernatural realm in different ways. Some of them are overlapping, but some of them are a little unique. And I tend to engage the Holy Spirit very easily when I write. It's it's just easy. Hmm. It's natural for me to engage the Holy Spirit when I write. When I sit down on my computer and I'm going to write a chapter in a book or a blog post. I'll sit down and I'll have an idea about what I want to write about. Sometimes I start with a couple of related subjects or ideas and I don't know how to tie them together and I don't have all the revelation, the understanding of how these things work. You might be writing about how do we know for sure that what we're hearing is from God. Just as an example. So I will, um, I'll sit down at my computer and I'll think, okay, Oftentimes, this is a subject I've never really thought that much about before. I'm kind of on the edge of my own experiences. I'm exploring things that I haven't really studied, haven't thought that much about. I'm just trying to get some, I'm kind of like brainstorming, getting some ideas about how this process works. Because most of the stuff I write about, whether it's a blog post or a chapter in a book, it's stuff that people have asked me questions about. And I'm like... That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. I haven't really mm-hmm. thought much about that. I don't understand that process. Man, I need to investigate that. So my process of investigation is I'll sit down at the computer and I'll think a little bit and I'll get an idea that'll pop into my head. And and I'll say, oh, here's one of the things that I noticed when I'm hearing God's voice. It sounds like kind of like my own thoughts. So I'll write that down. That's where I start at. And then another idea will pop into my head, and I'll write that down. 
And then another mm-hmm. idea will pop into my head. And I'm like, oh, that's a that's really good. I'll write that down. And I'll just start writing and keep writing. And what the Holy mm. Spirit will do, the yeah. Holy Spirit will fill my mind with these ideas. Wow. It seems if you're not tuned in to the differences between your own thoughts and the Holy Spirit's thoughts, it almost seems like you are coming up with all these great ideas. By the time you get this story, this chapter, or this blog post written, you're like, wow, I'm really brilliant. I didn't know I was that smart. This is really <laughs> great. <laughs> but I've done this enough. I've walked myself through this process where I realize that was not me. <laughs> that was that was the Holy Spirit because yeah. I'm not that smart. Yeah. Because when it comes down to it, you just look at this stuff and go, I did not, I did not know this stuff 20 minutes ago. It just came to me. Well, where did it come from? It came from the Lord. And how many times have you heard that where somebody's like, I read this and I feel like, gosh, I don't even remember writing this. You know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. This is because you didn't write it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit did. But that's a creative process. Like with Denise, uh, my wife, she's an artist. She will stand in front of mm. a, bl- a blank canvas and have really no idea what she's going to paint. She mm. paints. She paints abstract. And she'll start to get these ideas. She'll get some shapes and she'll get some lines and she'll get some ideas for shadow and some highlight. And she'll start to just fill in the canvas with these impressions that she gets in her mind. And by the time she's done, she has this really amazing painting. And you'll ask her, like, what were you thinking about when you painted this? And she'll be like, I wasn't really thinking about anything. <laughs> I, just, I just saw this stuff in my mind. I got these impressions and I put it out there. That is how, like you were talking about, creative process of doodling. The reason why we do these creative things is God is a creator. He's the creator. And we were created in his image. We are also creators. We're designed to Mm -hmm. be creative people. One of the most uh, wonderful ways that the Holy Spirit manifests the nature of God, his wisdom and his beauty is through the creative process, whether it's writing or painting or composing music. You know, you listen to Mozart, (laughs) you listen to Bach, and you think, wow, where did these guys come up with this inspiration for this music? It's incredible. Well, they were getting that inspiration from God. And that's much of the creative process that you see in society comes as we tune in to God, as we hear the voice, we get the impressions from the Holy Spirit, and I just, I, I, I love that the way that God uh, speaks to us through those things. Well, me too. And in the old days, they just called it inspired art. If it were today, if those same geniuses had this technology, imagine what they would be doing. But it just seems like we have this opportunity, we have this technology, and we have a war to win and people to wake up and governments to help steer like the Trump administration and uh, Christians that are sick of church and um, and people like you David are really leaders in the sense of as the Bible says you are servants of all you're not picking and choosing who you talk to you're just you talk to everybody and <laughs> you know that you're is, so approachable well you know? like, like we talked about before we went live I don't actually know any famous people I don't have any phone numbers of famous people that I can call <laughs> My crew, my tribe, is just a bunch of average people, and they're they're awesome people. I love them, but I don't really know anyone famous or well known. I I just love hanging out with average people. Anything that I do myself, 
I have an interest in teaching other people how to do it because half the fun of learning how to do something is teaching somebody else how to do it. Mm -hmm. So I have a podcast and when people ask me, I'm interested in setting up a podcast. I'm like, you have my attention. I will give you as much information as I can give you. I don't have a formal network of podcasters or a way to mentor and teach people how to do podcasts. But if you manage to find me and send me a private message, email, whatever, I will pour into you all the information that you can stand and probably a little more. And it's the same way with, uh, with writing. When I run into somebody who has an obvious talent for writing and the motivation to write a lot of books, I will pour into that person everything that I know about writing books, mm -hmm. uh, answer as many questions as I can to the degree that that person has the interest and the ability to do it. I, I will occasionally get connected to people who just want to write one book. They have a life story. They want to write the book. They don't actually mm -hmm. want to become an author. They just want to write that book, buy 10 or 15 copies, have one on the coffee table and give them to their friends and family. Anyone can do that. You don't need mm -hmm. someone to mentor you in that process. All you need to do is write it out, upload it to create space as a Word document. They'll turn it into a print file and you can print it, get a simple cover design or create your own, put a photograph on it and have them print out 12 copies and they'll ship them to you in a box and you'll have your book. Self-publishing is really, is really not rocket science. If you just want to write your book, your story, easy to do. If you want to become an author who makes a living as an author, so we're talking between fifty dollars to $100,000 a year in income as an author, I can teach you how to do mm -hmm. that. But there aren't very many people that want to do that, thank God, because I don't know that I'd have the time if there was a lot of people wanting to do it. Um, I want to do that. Well, here's, here's the thing. I've learned how to heal. I've learned how to mm. travel in the spirit. I've learned how to see in the spirit. I've learned how to publish books successfully. I've learned how to podcast. I've learned how to put together a pretty decent website. I have a lot of things that I've learned how to do, and I love teaching other people who are really motivated to want to do that. Mm. I'm going to be putting together some classes. In addition to this online healing class that I'm working on right now, I want to eventually put together an online class for seeing in the spirit. Uh, I will have an online class for emotional healing. I will eventually hope to put on an online class for authors, for people who want to have a career as an author. So I'm on all kinds of networks. I'm on Periscope. If you like live video as, you know, at Praying Medic. I'm on Twitter, at Praying Medic. I have my website, prayingmedic.com. I'm really big on Facebook. Um, I have a page, and my private profile is David Joseph. That's where I do most of my interaction. Although I have been a lot more active on Twitter in the last three months because Twitter is where politics are happening. If you're interested, oh, wow. If you're interested in politics and you're interested in the ebb and flow of the news cycle and and if you're interested in world events it, that is all happening on twitter that is the place to be if you're interested in that kind of stuff and that's why i got drawn to it. and the holy spirit gave me these dreams about being on twitter and tweeting out about certain subjects because he wanted me involved in the conversation that was going on there if you think facebook is political it is the shallow end of the pool the real engagement about 
politics and world events is all happening on Twitter. And so I've been a lot more active there because the Holy Spirit is talking to me about that stuff. And that's where I'm finding people that are interested in having an intelligent, engaging conversation about those subjects. That's relatively difficult to do on Facebook. At least for me it is because my, my audience is fairly limited as far as the, the political realm goes. But I have tons and tons of friends who are interested in politics on Twitter. What I was going to tell you, yeah, and, I, and I, never, I never got to tell you this, so let me tell you what the, I was going to give you a news scoop. So in the video wars, Facebook has upped the ante, and they have now made available hosted video. They've actually had it for a while, but you have to do it through, go through Facebook Developer, and you have to have an API, and it, it's a little bit of an involved process having a guest on your Facebook Live video with you, so doing a video with two get, two hosts. Um, you can do it. It's They just rolled it out now. I think it's only on iPhones where you can actually have a guest on with you on an iPhone and not using the API. Well, Twitter has realized that the future is video. And they've had some success with Periscope, but Periscope is not a perfect platform. And it's limiting because most of the people who are watching video on Twitter are actually watching it on Periscope. Periscope is an is a separate app that's owned by Twitter. It's run by Twitter. You don't have to watch the Periscope videos on Periscope app. You can just go there on a, on a website on like a desktop computer. But what Twitter is doing now is they've just announced a beta version of a live streaming video that will be native to Twitter itself. You'll be able to live stream video into your Twitter timeline without using Periscope. It bypasses Periscope. It goes directly to your Twitter feed. So that's the next step that Twitter is going toward. And I applied for the the beta uh, membership. They're only giving it out to certain people. I, I don't know that I'll get that, but that is coming down the road. Twitter will be doing live streaming video right on the Twitter feed without having to go to Periscope. So like I said, when I we were talking earlier on, what I'm seeing is a lot of these social media platforms, they're recognizing how valuable live video is, and that's the direction things are going. So I'm trying to stay, not a, I'd love to be on the cutting edge, but I'm at least trying to stay on somewhere near the front of where the technology is evolving. One thing that crosses my mind as far as the whole big picture, as far as you know, where the transhumanists are wanting to take this and make us merge with machines, ghost in the shell style, <laughs> is that... I'm not going all the way to the end yet, but I just feel like, okay, this is the next step is that we have these new platforms of live video. And um, I've done this before. You know, I've had like two phones broadcasting, one to YouTube and one to Facebook. And someday I hope we can do a live Google video chat. I think it's relatively easy, although I haven't had much time to practice with the technology yet. The thing with Google Hangouts is it's kind of clunky. It's very noisy. If you don't have good equipment, and even if you do, it can be kind of a mess. I haven't been on a Google Hangout in a while, but obviously, you know, Skype kind of evolved, although it's still pretty clunky. Zoom has come out with a more professional platform that's kind of like Skype. There's still Google Hangouts. I I don't know if they're going to be... I would imagine they'll try to upgrade it and get more of of the live video audience, but their social media platform is Google+, and Google+, is going nowhere. There are many, many options and many ways. Like right now, I'm actually thinking about doing live streaming video right onto my website, on my WordPress website. 
here's hmm. what you could do. So if you have a website, you can just install a plugin and install a program on your computer, and you can live stream from your computer onto your website anytime you want. Here's the problem with video. If you do live video on Twitter, you have to put up with Jack Dorsey and his banning and uh, messing with conservatives on Twitter. There's been terrible harassment and persecution of conservatives on Twitter for years. A lot of people get banned. Their broadcasts get put down in the algorithm. They don't allow things to trend. They, they manipulate everything on Twitter for political purposes. They do the same thing on Facebook. And a lot of people are getting fed up with being blocked, banned, or having the algorithms messed with on social media. They want to get their message out. They want to do live video. But there's all these hurdles and obstacles you have to get over. If you have a webcam and a, and a microphone and a plug-in on your WordPress site, you can live stream right to your website. And your followers can catch you and interact with you right there on your website. There's a way to do that. And there are apps that you can do it on, on, on the apps, mobile apps. And those, to me, those things really resonate because I would like to see uh, people like us who are messing around with live video and learning it on Facebook and on Twitter. Eventually, we le need to learn how to do this on our own websites where we control the content, where we're not going to have to worry about somebody messing with us or banning us or blocking us because that's, that is what's exactly. been going on. These platforms like Twitter and Facebook are incredibly politicized, and they'll let you on there as long as you play nicely. As soon as you don't follow their rules and their political rules and their narrative, they're going to make life hard for you. And YouTube is kind of the same way. You, there's a lot of people that are having trouble with YouTube because the, their monetization is going away. Mm -hmm. Eric mm -hmm. Schmidt has been screwing with people on YouTube and taking away their ads. So... We've, we've all been messing around with video, and I think the Holy Spirit wants us to get our act together and collectively do something a whole lot bigger. Well, until we start trans-relocating our presences to the whole universe <laughs> completely as a collective. I mean, some of us are doing it already, but and I think anybody can do that. Anybody can sit down on their couch, get really, really relaxed, close their eyes, and start broadcasting. <laughs> Watch what happens. Watch how many people have dreams of you that day but um seriously like i think practically what you're saying makes a lot of sense like getting uh, first of all i love wordpress i think it's it's really really nice it's yeah, uh, free it's, to it's, start with it's the bomb and I, I like it it gives you a lot of options if you just spend a little bit of money now my question is how can we start turning our content into our own property so that we're not constantly kind of you know prostituting ourselves out to youtube or other websites where maybe some companies like Coca-Cola make a cut, but they put an advertisement. Yep. And so you're constantly only getting like a little fraction of what you really honestly should be getting for what you did. But, yeah. oh, it's easy because it's on YouTube and look, I got 6,000 subscribers, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, it's like we got to get we got to get a little bit more smart here. You know, the children of the world are much more wise than the children of the kingdom. Yes, they said. are. And, and that needs to change. There are some people out there in the Christian community and in the conservative political community who are looking at competing ways to do live video to compete with YouTube. 
and to compete with Periscope mm-hmm. and Facebook video. The easiest way right now to do live streaming video on your own WordPress website is YouTube. I mean, if you have a mobile phone okay. and you have a YouTube account, all you do is you set up your live stream on your mobile account. You set up an, a plugin on your website that allows you to do live streaming. It picks up the stream from your YouTube channel and puts it on your website. The problem there is your YouTube is in the middle there. You're going to end up eventually, if you, if you get popular enough, there's the issue of monetization and there could be the issue of messing with that. You know, I have a YouTube account. I haven't really noticed, but I'm not really going into the analytics either. I don't look much at Google Analytics, so I don't know if they're messing with me or not. Ultimately, it's going to come down to an issue of paying for a service. Like for me, for WordPress, mm-hmm. I, I have a hosted website. I pay a hosting service. I bought my own theme. I pay a monthly fee for storage for my podcast files. I pay a lot of money. I I pay Vimeo. I have a pro subscription on Vimeo so I can upload videos for my classes. When you get into the business end of doing video, you're going to have to put down some money. There's very little out there that's available that's free that's worth it. So if I were willing to pay about, a, let's say, 150 to 250 a month, I could enroll in a, in a plan that would allow me to stream live video to a mobile app, to my website, to my followers, to my customers, and I would have no ad, no advertising. Nobody would be able to mess with the algorithm. It would be totally under my control. But the thing is, you have to pay for it. You have to pay for the storage of the video on the server. You have to pay for content delivery. You have to you know pay for the engineering. And they make it relatively easy once you pay for it. The state of the art right now is there are services out there that allow you to do live streaming video onto different platforms. You have to pay for it. Hopefully the price will come down as it gets more competitive and more people are are vying for the dollars. Maybe the price will come down. Maybe it'll get to a point where people can do it relatively easily and expensively on their own. There is a little bit of a a cost hurdle for that right now, but Mm -hmm. that's going to change. It always does. When technology gets better and advances and there's more competition, price goes down. Those are just the things that I see where people like us who want to get a message out I mm-hmm. think that's the direction it's going in. Yeah, and I, I think that once you get a following, people are going to want to um, invest and sow into that because they know – like I used to be a, a subscriber to Alex Jones back like eight years ago when he still looked crazy and he wasn't like the progenitor of the president. you know. And I was like, oh, I'll just give him 50 bucks a month so I can get the little – you know, ad free show and all the free books and DVDs, which is kind of a joke, to be honest. But we just loved his passion. You know, we loved this crazy guy that was getting out there every day screaming his head off about this Illuminati New World Order thing. And I wasn't doing that. You know, I knew that here was one guy that had the guts to talk about the truth as far as he saw it. You know, we might not say that it was all completely true, but most of it was. And we sewed into it, and I sewed into it, and I saw his his show grow and i felt the pride of like hey you know i i paid this guy some money you know back in the day back when he was little and i think that's the way that we should look at each other is like when you listen to someone when you're getting fed from somebody that you you sow into their thing and as they grow that's your thing like when you um trade on that platform it becomes your platform it it absolutely is and i i thank god for the people who are supporting me financially as I have journeyed out into um, other territories, 
like when I put up the Freedom News project. I got a very nice, very generous donation. That we, virtually within three days of making that website live, some very nice lady jumped on there and gave me a really nice one-time donation to help support my time and effort in putting that together. Wow. So, nice. yeah, you're right. As I, I have found out that when you provide good service to people, they appreciate it and they'll support you. I'm supporting um, Adam Gingrich. He has a Patreon account, and Denise and I are supporting him. Uh, on a monthly basis because we hmm. really, really believe in what he's doing, love his information, and it keeps us you know, up to date and knowing you know, a little bit about what's going on. What I would recommend to people is mess around with somebody else's platform. So if Facebook hmm. is going to let you do live video, do live video. Get on Periscope and do some live video. What happened to me was I didn't want to do video. And then this live Facebook video thing came out. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to try it. And I tried it a few times, and it didn't take me long before I kind of figured out, okay, I'm going to get a tripod and mount my phone on a tripod so I'm not carrying this phone Mm -hmm. around my backyard. And I'm going to make sure that my house is clean before I do a live video. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to make sure I have on some kind of a nice shirt. So... I started to learn, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it a little bit better. I'm going to try to hold the camera so that people aren't looking up my nose and checking out my nose hairs. Camera angle is... Ooh, i got to learn that. (laughs) It didn't take me too long to figure out that there are good ways to do video and there are bad ways to do video. But you know what? You're messing around and it's free. You're not paying for it. Somebody else is paying for it. So doing some Periscope videos, doing some Facebook Live videos, I kind of got my feet wet and figured out, okay, I'm catching on to this. More people are tuning in now, and everybody who's doing live video now, they have a thing. Adam Gingrich, and he does his periscopes on Tuesday and Saturday nights. He has a Fred's Tavern t-shirt. He's got this green t-shirt from a local tavern. It's Fred's Tavern. He's got like three of them, and he's typically wearing a Fred's Tavern t-shirt, and he wears his little, uh, I think he's got a Dallas Cowboys hat, and he wears the same thing whenever he does a periscope. If you watch Kurt Schilling, uh, Kurt Schilling is on periscope pretty regularly. Kurt Schilling always has a hat on and he's always got his glasses and he's got his look. That's his thing. Most people who are doing these live videos, they try to have a look that is familiar to their audience. It doesn't have to be a suit and tie. It can be if you want. Some people just wear t shirts. I actually went out and bought some shirts because I'm doing these classes, these video based classes. And Denise said, look, if you're going to be doing classes and you're going to ask people to pay money for these classes, at least wear mm-hmm. a nice shirt if you're going to do these videos. <laughs> that is such a practical piece of advice. So Yeah. So I went out and bought a few shirts. And so now I have some nice shirts that I can wear when I'm doing my videos. The thing about video is it's intimidating. It's frightening. People don't like looking at themselves and hearing themselves in video. Trust me. Do it a little bit. You'll get used to it. You'll get over it. You'll get past yourself. And then do, editing is, you know, not that big a deal. But I bought some software to do some video editing. I caught on to it pretty quickly. It's not rocket science. If you can edit a podcast, you can edit video. Pretty much the same idea. So I'm trying to develop this video production thing where I'm doing professional quality videos for lessons, free videos on other somebody else's platform, you know, whether it's Periscope or YouTube or Facebook. If you're giving something away for free, people don't expect a lot. You can show up on Periscope. It's a free video. Look, you're not paying for anything for this, so don't complain if the audio quality isn't that good or if I'm wearing a T-shirt. You, you didn't pay anything to get in here, so just deal with it. But 
what I what I would encourage people to think about is if you have a message, if you have a platform, whether you're an author or if you're a musician or if maybe you bake and you sell your bakery on Etsy, the future is video. And I think if we start to figure out how to incorporate video into our platform and use it as a way to communicate with people because almost all the video platforms now have chat. So people can ask you questions live and you can answer them live. It's a way to interact with people live on the fly, just like we're doing right now on Spreaker. Mess around with the free stuff and figure it out. And then when it's time to move up to something that's a paid service, so you pay a little more and you get a little more quality, you're ready to do that. That's what I'm trying to do. I got my feet wet on the free platforms, and now I'm trying to build something that is going to be a little bit nicer. Well, let's keep going there down the rabbit hole and finding all the stuff that we can do and just taking over the world with it because uh, not too many people are in the position where you are and with the pioneering spirit to um, really get into this stuff. I think that um, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be following you and, and seeing your journey, your progression, not only in the spirit but in the physical. Like, okay, here's a guy that went from being a very practical, hands-on medic, paramedic, legit, hardworking, to becoming a Christian, uh, learning about the power of healing, and yet still working full-time. But you managed to somehow write books and then managed to get those books published. And you just keep going. Like, you keep exploring and you keep pioneering. And where is your PayPal, by the way, for people who want to invest in what you're doing? If you would like to support me, you can just go to my website, prayingmedic.com, and there's a little PayPal button there. And anyone who wants to make a donation, I would greatly appreciate it. We love it. Because I am doing this full-time now. I'm not working as a paramedic anymore. I'm just living off of the donations that people give us and off of the book sales. And really, whether you want to make a donation or if you just want to buy four or five of my books, either one is great. I would be greatly Mm -hmm. appreciated. We'll do this again soon. Yeah, man, it's been great great being on the show. Uh, Thanks for having me on and looking forward to the next one. Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.